during this Advent time, we're thinking together about the promise. Long before Jesus came, people longed for something better, something different, something more real. We might look back through Scripture and make the argument that people longed for that all the way back from the time when God said, Adam, where are you? Because in that question, there is the, the reality that Adam was not at peace. See, Adam and Eve used to walk with, with God in the garden, and they, they had a very close relationship. But then Adam and Eve broke God's plan, and they sinned against him. And when that happened, they became aware of their own nakedness. Now, that was nothing to be concerned about before their creator. The creator made them as they were, and that when they were intimately related to one another, there was no issue. But the fact that they recognized their nakedness and Adam hid said that that relationship was now strained. Man's sin always strains the relationship with God. And so God came through the garden. Adam, where are you? And Adam must have heard in the question, things aren't right. And then we could go through, through the whole Old Testament and we could read story after story, person after person, who longs for the opportunity for man to be right with God again. The prophets foretold that there would be one who would come who could bring man and God back into intimate relationship. The prophets talked about one who would come. Isaiah said it in the words of, of the banners that we have at Christmas. A child is born. Unto us a son is given. In Isaiah's words, he said, unto us a son is given. God sends his son to us. It's not just that God sent his son and then God did this cool thing, but God sent his son to us. Why? Because we're still naked and hiding in the garden. We're still separated from him in need of peace. And so Isaiah says there will come one who can bring back peace. In Isaiah 9, beginning at verse 6, he says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace. The next verse says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be 
no end. Man, what a message. Isaiah says it's going to come one of these days. He's going to come, and yes, he's going to be a great leader. The government is going to be on his shoulder. He's going to be the guy in charge. But when he comes, look at the kind of leader he's going to be. His name is Wonderful Counselor. He is Mighty God. He is Everlasting Father. And how will he reign as the prince? How will he reign as, as royalty? He will be Prince of peace. His government's never going to end. He's always going to be Lord. He's always going to be in charge. And while he's there, do you notice there will be peace of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end. Imagine growing up at a time when people were familiar with these words. Talked about it every once in a while when they went to the synagogue. Mom and dad talked about it at home. They were familiar with the words that a prince would come and restore peace between man and God and between man and man and between man and self. It's going to happen one of these days. So imagine growing up in that time where you hear about this all your life. And then you grow into adulthood and it's time to get a job. Well, your family, being Jews in a Roman world, you don't have the opportunity to get a really high-quality job. You're going to have to get one of those jobs that almost everybody in the society and culture looks down on. And so you do the only thing that you can figure out to do, you start raising sheep. Now, when you and I think about the shepherds at Christmas, be honest, we usually picture in our minds that little five-year-old boy standing over there in a bathrobe with a, with a shepherd's crook, Right? Shepherds are cute little people. They're so sweet. Shepherds were the lowest of society. They touched animals all the time, which Jews did not like to do. They touched animals all the time. They were outside all the time. They worked weird hours. They stunk. They were the lowest of society. To whom did God choose to announce the news that after thousands of years of waiting, the prince is born? Look with me in Luke chapter 2. We're in Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. This is a familiar passage. You know the Christmas story. You read it in your homes every Christmas Eve. We read it here every Christmas Eve. But I want us to look at it again in a new light this morning. We're not going to read the whole story. We're just going to start at verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, 
and they were filled with great fear. Well, I can understand that. Can't you? All they've ever known is hanging out on the hillside watching the critters. And they're hanging out on the hillside watching the critters trying to stay six feet from each other because they stink. And all of a sudden, without announcement, an angel appears and the whole place lights up. Throughout Scripture, God's glory is related to light. And so it says his glory shone around them. The whole hillside just, just lit up with God's glory. No wonder they were afraid. Not only had they never seen such a thing, they'd never heard of such a thing. They had no way to fit what they were experiencing into their understanding. And so it says they were filled with great fear. Verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, and, and behold in the Bible means look it in Texas. For look it, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. It will be in the future for all people. Right now, it's for you lowest ones. For unto you, stinky lowly shepherds, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Now, when they finally get to make that announcement, by the way, imagine, imagine being that angel. We've always kind of talked like it was Gabriel, but it doesn't tell us that. An angel got to be the creature who got to announce God's perfect redemptive plan is coming to fruition. Angels, by the way, we believe angels were created before the earth was created. They have been longer than the other parts of creation. And so here are angels, and angels are not made new every day. They always have been angels. And so this angel has been waiting from before creation, longing for God's plan to come together, and for whatever reason, he gets to be the guy that announces it. Hey, it's happening. Unto you is born this day in that little bitty city of David, a Savior. And that Savior is is Messiah. That's the word Christ. The Savior, the Christ, Messiah, the one who is Lord. And it is as if all of the angels in creation have just been on the edge of their seats waiting. They looked at their program and they knew it was this guy's turn. And they knew that he was supposed to do his bit. And then as soon as he did his bit, they couldn't wait any longer. And they jumped to their feet and they, they, they opened up the, the, the eyes of the, of the shepherds that they might see them in all their glory. And they sang praises to God. They couldn't wait for that chance. Hundreds, 
thousands of years waiting, waiting. And then finally they get to announce. And what is the thing they announce? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That was one angel. Then it says that they all showed up and they started praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. And now what happens on earth that Jesus has finally come? In the highest, glory to God. On earth, peace. Finally. Messiah, the one who can, the only one who can bring peace has come. And they announce it in song. Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace. Among those with whom he is pleased. In just the, the next few minutes, I, I want to share with you some important observations about the story. First, I want you to notice that the peace of Christ is for everyone. The fact that God would choose normal every day, as a matter of fact, not even normal, lower than normal, everyday folks, to be the first recipients of that message, of that good news, of great joy, tells us that that news is even for us. Do you ever feel unworthy of being at peace? I've made such a mess of my life. I don't deserve peace. I have so much to do. I'm such an important person. I've got so much on my plate. I... I don't deserve peace. I know I need to forgive, but I refuse, and I don't deserve peace. If you've ever felt like you're not worthy of peace, you're in good company. Because those who received the word first were the lowest, they were not worthy. The other truth is, you'll never be worthy. You'll never get life figured out good enough that you deserve peace. Peace is a gift. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Peace is a gift that comes in the person of Jesus Christ. The first words spoken to the shepherds that night. When the angel appeared and all the glory shone all around, blah, blah, blah. The first words he said, fear not. Matter of fact, as we've mentioned earlier, the, the, the Old Testament takes us through a lot of prophecies. And then Malachi is the last book of the Bible. And, and after that, God stops. 400 years, God says nothing. His people continue to faithfully serve him, faithfully trust him, but he says nothing. They don't have the Bible. 
He says nothing for 400 years. And then based on what we have recorded, what is the very first message that comes from heaven? It's when an angel speaks to John the Baptist's daddy and says, fear not. God's been quiet a long time, but fear not because he's at work now. Beloved, we, we need not live in fear. That's one of the, the reasons he came, that we would have abundant life, that we would experience peace. And his message from the beginning to the end and over and over and over throughout Scripture is, do not be afraid. We can be at peace. We can relax in him. Not because you deserve it, not because you figured it out, not because you're worthy, but because he gives us himself, and within himself, we find peace. I always get a little nervous when someone says, I have good news and bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? Don't you hate that? Oh, my goodness. So what do you choose? I always choose Give me the bad news first so I have hope that something better is coming, right? Give me the bad news first so that I can hang on to that hope that some good news is on the way. Here these people and us together as we, as we feel the anticipation of Advent, these people are eager to hear some good news. And the angels shared that good news. They said it's good news of great Joy. I'll bet you could use some good news today. For some of us, we have not really known peace for quite some time. We've been hurried. We've been rushing. We've been overwhelmed by our list of things to do and our responsibilities or our anger. We live in a world that doesn't understand peace, and I'm not just talking about war. We live in a nation that doesn't understand peace. We live in a nation that honors arguing and fighting and being mad. It's a weird time we live in. So many of us don't really know peace on a regular basis. The good news is... That's the bad news. Here's the good news coming. You have not been forgotten by God. In fact, he has come to be with you in the midst of your struggle. And that takes us to the second thing that I want us to see in the story, and that is that peace is in his presence. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of of the prince. It's the presence of Jesus Christ. What caused Adam to lose peace would have been that he had been separated from God because of his sin. The same thing is true of us. When we don't have peace, even as believers, even as Christians, when we don't have peace, it's because the relationship is not where it needs to be. And when the relationship is where it needs to be, we experience his presence 
and we are at peace. The peace that Jesus brings into our lives is not the absence of trouble, but it's the confidence that we are not alone. Many, many years ago, this this man wanted to find the perfect picture of peace. So he held a contest. Artists from all over the world, far and wide, painted pictures that in their minds represented peace. The guy got all those pictures of peace together in one room. He, he had some judges there, and they were going to pick the perfect picture of peace. They unwrapped each one, or, or unveiled each one, and the judges talked about it, and they oohed and awed and got down to the last two. They unveiled the second to the last one, and it was a beautiful picture. There was a, a lake there that was just still like glass. Hills around it, beautiful trees, puffy clouds. And it was a beautiful, peaceful picture, a little pasture over here. And then they unveiled the last picture. And the last picture, so different from that one, showed this this tremendous waterfall. And you could almost feel the spray as you look at the picture, as that water would, would fall down so dramatically and, and, and rush down that hill, the, the spray would hit when it would hit the rocks. And, and above there, there were dark clouds. And you, you could see that they were just about to let go of some lightning or something up there in the sky, you know. And it was, it was a, a dark and powerful picture. But then when you looked very, very close, you could see that out of the rocks... From within that waterfall and out to the side of it, there grew this scraggly little tree. And inside that scraggly little tree, there was a bird's nest and a mama bird sitting on her eggs. The perfect picture of peace. Our circumstances have very little to do with whether or not we experience peace. It's not about changing things in your life to make everything better. It's about changing you in a relationship with Jesus that brings a peace from within. Peace is in his presence. The message of Christmas, the message of the angels that day, the message we need to hear is that the God of all the universe has moved into your neighborhood. And he's here. We find peace. Finally, I want us to see this morning that peace is why he came. Peace is the reason for his coming. That night, the angels saying, the scripture says that they said it, but based on the, the way it's written and the, the meter, and we think it's a song, glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The reason he came to glorify the Father And to bring us reconciliation, another word for 
peace. Peace between us and God. Peace between us and our fellow man. Peace with self. The angels declared that's why he came. And now we can celebrate his coming. Would you, would you spend some time this week not looking for peace, but focusing on the prince of peace and thereby experiencing peace? Peace is kind of like that butterfly. You know, every time you reach out for a butterfly, it flies away. It gets out of your hand almost every time. But if you'll just sit there for a minute, if you'll be still long enough, sometimes that butterfly will just come to you and land on you. This is a crazy, hectic, busy time. Don't look for peace. You'll never find it. You'll keep grabbing and grabbing and grabbing. Instead, look for the Prince of Peace. Spend time with Him, and peace will find you.